Welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Chris Brown. For more information on our church, visit c3church.narara.net. Praise Him. I'm glad you like the logo. I do too. Most people seem to. If you don't, well, we're preaching about faith. Just have faith. That's just exactly what you wanted. Now, uh, speaking of faith, we're doing a series on faith. And um, it's a reasonably important subject. You know, it's uh, kind of in the Bible a few times. And uh, pretty core, faith, hope and love. You can see on the wall out there. And uh, if you are visiting today, we'd love you to not just look at the wall, but in that courtyard, stay and meet some friendly people and get a free coffee and you know, get to know you. Um, so I want to read a passage uh, from the book of Mark, chapter 11. And just preceding where we're going to read, Jesus has cursed a fig tree because it didn't have any fruit on the vine. And, and there's a quirky little thing in there because it says it didn't have fruit because the leaves were on it and it wasn't yet the season for fruit. So you sort of think, why did Jesus expect to have fruit? At first reading, you think, is he missing something? But when you read the experts, the historians, the theologians, they'll tell you that the olives, sorry, the figs would normally stay on the tree right up to the time of the leaves appearing so that he had every reason to expect for there still to be fruit from the last time, the last production, even though the leaves were coming. Um, and, it, and, and often they fruited a couple of times a year. They say that they could have had uh, the figs on the tree for up to 10 months of a year. And so he had every reason to expect figs, and there were no figs on this tree. And then he curses it, and it withers and dies. And uh, we're told, again, by the theologians, that there was a symbolic judgment that he was proclaiming there upon Israel because the state of godlessness that they are in and religiosity uh, meant that they were very fruitless and and shouldn't have been and it was a rebuke from him but also the the um, the most immediate effect was that this tree simply because of the power of his words shriveled up and died and the disciples noticed that and as a result of that Jesus then said these words in in Mark 11 verse 22 Jesus said to the disciples have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. But when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. It's really worth reading that last verse, isn't it? Because I've met plenty of loud, tongue-speaking, prayerful, warrior-like kind of gung-ho prayers, and they're maybe wondering why their prayers aren't being answered, and there's a tough heart, an aggro, hurt, bitter, unforgiving. And so we've got to be very clear in our heart and clean before God and for other people and just forgive anyone who's ever done anything to hurt you in any way and you want to make sure you pray that (laughs) 
not just for their benefit, but so that God's going to hear your prayers and that you live with a clean spirit. You're not stirred up with bitterness. But go back to the beginning there. I want you to notice four words. Have faith in God. And that's what I want you to hear today. Have faith in God. Because notice who's speaking. Jesus himself. It's really worth taking note of, you would agree. In fact, more than taking note of, how about just obeying? Because he is obviously speaking initially back then to the disciples. But with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and the way God has ordained for us to have the canon of Scripture, the Bible brought to us today, 2,000 years, 2,000 years later, uh, it's still God's Word for you and me today. Have faith in God. And you know, people say, oh, I, need, I, I wish I could hear from God. I, 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 I came last week and you had the prophet and I didn't get a prophecy. I wish I'd had a prophecy. I need God to speak to me. I just... I want to know, what's God's will for my life? You've had those thoughts. In it. Well, I, I got a word from God for you. Have faith in God. It's right there. They're the words of Jesus. And he says that to us today. And you don't have to go any further than that right now. That's, let's just start with that because that's going to take you a long way to have faith in God. It's pretty basic, pretty essential, bit of a key. Bible, in fact, tells me it's impossible for me to please God if I don't have faith in him. And so I think it's really worth taking note of. More than that, I think God wants us to take note of it because that's what he's really led us to as we and I, I pray, prayerfully prepared to, to share on this. Uh, and notice also, Jesus never tells us to do something that we can't do. He'll never tell you you've got something that you haven't already got. So if he says have faith in God, he's not saying... You can't do it or you don't have it, even though we might feel that. You might think, oh, I'm not a super Christian. I hear people faith, oh, God, you know, man's God of faith and power. And what do, you, what do they say? And I feel like God's man of paste and flour. And I'm just sort of, you know, weak. And, uh, yeah. But Jesus says have faith in God. I love it when he says, in, recorded in Matthew 6, he says, don't worry. I think, flip, here's a rebuke. I feel like worrying. Jesus said, don't. Okay, so I've got to be obedient to that. If you start worrying, just read that one and go, okay, Lord. And you, you've got to stop yourself. And, and, and here's the, the, the plus side. To, instead of worrying, do this instead. Have faith in God. And Jesus says, you can and you have it. You've already got. The fact is, we already have faith and we've already used it. Today, you've used faith. You've trusted in people and things already. You've, without thinking, you've trusted, you know, Mr. Kellogg's. You've just poured the cereal into the bowl and you've started eating and you just trust that it's not going to poison you. There's some nutritional value. You get the milk out of the fridge. You just pour it in and down it goes. You don't think, oh, is it white paint? It's, you, you just trust. In fact, most of the time it really is milk. I must say, um, Keelan did a clever thing with... Uh, he came home, you know at school they do, uh, you've got to bring in a cake or 25 cupcakes. You've probably made 25 cupcakes, we're not into that. I bought him a bag of snakes, there's probably 25 snakes in there, give them there. You know, that's, but Keelan, he had, he'd seen on YouTube this thing where you make a white chocolate milk bottle. 
So you melt and mix up white chocolate, you pour it inside a milk bottle, and then you let it dry, and then you cut away the plastic milk bottle, and you end up with this white chocolate milk bottle-looking thing. And we took a photo, and you can't tell the difference. And then you put the label back on because you screw the lid back on. And then inside you put M&Ms and Maltesers and all this. But it looks just like a white, like a milk bottle of milk, two-litre bottle of milk. So he takes that in. So we, I spent a whole afternoon fussing around with him, <gasps> making it and drying it out and getting it thick enough to do it again and putting them. We made it, ta-da! And we thought it looked pretty cool. You took it in the next day and the teacher just thought, what's that? And the, t- the teacher, he's a bloke. He's school teacher and, and Keelan said look what I brought in for my birthday he's like yeah whatever I got no cups he just thinks what do you want to give the kids that's, what kind of a family have you got they always bring in a cake you brought you what are you trying to make us all healthy you want the kids to drink milk he just said I, I haven't got any cups and Keelan's speech isn't that clear you know so he struggles no and he's trying to explain it's, and the teacher's like yeah whatever you know and we got on with the class so this little thing is chocolate white milk bottle sat on the side for a while there, you know, and they're doing the class and the kids are like, what's with that? And, and Keelan's like, yeah. So he finally got the teacher's attention again and said, look, Mr. Wood, it's chocolate. It's all, because he called it a white chocolate milk bottle. And the, and the teacher just thought he meant white chocolate milk, like, like chocolate milk. It's a bottle of chocolate milk. And Keelan's like, no, it's a bottle of chocolate. It's he didn't. He wanted to say it's made out of chocolate. But anyway, finally the teacher got it and went, oh, and he sort of looked closely and realised, I get it. So the teacher just on the desk goes, oh, right, smash, and Maltesers and and ms go everywhere and the kids just go, ah, go berserk and they all had a ball. And they just, you know, and ate it up and gobbled it up. Um, but anyway, so back to the fridge, it's normally milk, yeah? Uh and, uh, and so what I'm saying is, you, you know, you put faith in natural things all the time. You know, you come to church, you sit on the chair, you don't ask one of our many engineers like Ivan or Zach or Maury or Peter, and there's a few of them around, um, and say, oh, you know, can you do some stress test and check the properties of this particular chair? You know, you just sit down because we're trusting designers, manufacturers and all that. So why not trust God? You know, we're just told, have faith in God. And you're already exercising faith. So you may as well direct it towards God and towards his promises and towards his, his love for you and accept that he says, I love you. i got a plan for your life. I'm calling you. You're, my saving grace is upon you. You're forgiven. You're, you're set free from guilt and condemnation and, and all kinds of stuff that would try and crowd in but faith says this is the way it is and and we need to hold on to that and speaking of hold on to when i said let's notice four words in greek it's just three words the translators have added the little preposition of in have faith in god but in greek jesus actually said these words echo pistis theos so theos obviously is the word for god pistis is the greek word used for faith, exclusively used for faith in the New Testament, 240-something times. But that first word he said that we translate have, the word echo can be translated not just to have, but to hold, to possess, to own. And I thought that was interesting when I discovered that, because if you think Jesus is saying, don't just have faith occasionally, temporarily, lightly, but hold on to your faith possess 
your faith. Don't lose your faith. Make sure you've got it, it, that, that, that it's yours, that it's, it's your possession. You, you know you have it. It's, it. And so then you're confident because you've got it. It's, it's with you. you. You're not just hoping you've got it. You're not just talking about it. You know, men, we've probably all done this silly little lame dad joke where you're walking down the street and there's a fancy Porsche or Ferrari and you get your keys out and you say, oh, guys, I like my new car. Or you pretend to, you know, go to, oh, hey, babe, I've got to go now. <laughs> you know, and then the joke stops and everyone says, yeah, great, really funny. Uh, and it's not your car and you can't really get in the car because you don't own it, you don't have the keys, it's somebody else's and you can't drive it. But just for a little moment of fantasy, you pretended and thought, didn't you? Uh, but, you know, it's a bit like that with faith. If you are leaning on somebody else's faith, it's just as silly to make out that it's yours. You've got to really own it, have the keys of the kingdom, and the faith is one of them, to possess your own faith. It's, it's just as crazy as if you said, okay, to your friend, I've bought a new car, come over and I'll show it to you and I'll take you for a drive. And when they get there, you wander outside and say, well, what do you know? I've left it somewhere. And, I, you know, I can't remember. I, I had it yesterday and I now don't know where it is. I drove it and I've left. I mean, that's ridiculous. Why? Because it's valuable. You're going to know where it is. It's yours. You don't want to just have had it yesterday and have now lost track of it. You want it with you right now. Oh, yeah, sure. It's my car. I'm looking after it. It's valuable. And therefore, I can use it because I've got possession of it. Well, it's like that with our faith. It's not good enough to have had faith, to have had trusted God. But today, am I hanging on to it? Do I possess it? Am I in possession of that faith? And that's what I think Jesus wants us to really get a hold of. So what does this look like in our everyday life? Well, it's the difference between, say, you know, the challenges of life come our way. That's, that's part of the deal, part of the package. But how we face them. And how we hold on to our faith when we face those challenges, that's the question. So, for example, you can go to the doctor and you can get a really bad report because the doctors are trained to find out what's wrong. They don't always have all the answers, but they're telling you, wow, look what I've just discovered. This is what the test or the x-ray shows. And that's not what you wanted to hear. Well, right there, you can lose your faith. You can just let go of your faith and... And just forget God's promises about his ability and his willingness to heal. Or you can listen to the doctor's report and at the same time hold on to your faith and believe in the promises of God. Because, you know, the book of Ecclesiastes says, Ecclesiastes 7 verse 8 says, it's good to grasp one thing and not let go of the other. Whoever fears God will avoid all extremes. And that can happen sometimes in the medical world where, you know, some people can just totally lose their faith in God because of a doctor's report. But conversely, sometimes people are silly and they don't listen to what modern medical science can help them with and say, oh, no, I, 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 and they just, I don't want to know, I don't want to know. And then they die of some condition because they thought they had faith in God, but they should have really mixed the two and used both. And so uh, the challenge is, is to be wise. Um, and so we want to hear what the doctor's got to say, but we also want to hear what Dr. Jesus has to say. 
yeah, and put the two together. For example, again, um, you may have challenges in your workplace. You, uh, uh, you know, you're, there's a colleague that you're not getting on with or your boss is giving you a hard time or you think you deserve a promotion or a pay rise and it's not coming or, or maybe you wish you had a job of any kind because you've been retrenched and, uh, you know, you're wondering. And so you can easily start worrying about your future and, and feeling stressed and freaking out about it or you can hold on to your faith, hold on to God's promises that he will provide for you that he will guide you, that he will lead you through different challenges in life and bless you. And so you can face the problem with your faith, having not lost it, yeah? Uh, and, and when we say hold on to, listen to what Hebrews 10.23 says. You may remember this scripture. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. There's a challenge for you. Hold fast the profession of your faith without wavering. Because I've got to admit, sometimes I'm wavering. Sometimes I'm not holding fast. I'm like, I've, hello, has is is anyone seen my faith? I've lost it. I'm not holding on to it. I just have no idea. You know, the Bible says, uh, don't lose your confidence. Same kind of thing. Hold on to it. Hold on to your faith. Uh, maybe you've read the news recently. And world events have changed. And you've got a spirit of fear coming all over you because you're worried. Uh, you've heard the commentators talking, you know, about Donald Trump and how he's single-handedly going to ruin the entire world in the next six weeks. And, you know, you, you could just slide into a state of fear and worry. Or you can hold on to your faith and you can speak to that mountain of fear and you can say, no, you be removed. Because I trust in God and he can oversee any government and his hand is sovereign and he's allowing things to happen. And, and so if I was an American right now, I'd be praying for my new president-elect and I'd be as positive as I possibly could regardless of who I may have voted for. And that's the challenge, uh, you know, for us all at any election time and that we, we are, you know, full of faith and, and supportive of our, of our leadership. Uh, and so you might feel kind of fear growing on the inside, and then just as Jesus spoke to that fig tree, you've got to speak against that fear and curse it and let it wither up and die, just like the power of his words did then. And so they're just part of everyday life. The challenge, as I said, is not to, to let things break our hold on faith. And so, you know, there's a few different categories, if you like, that you could... There's a, there's a, uh, a long list, but I just thought of a few categories you could uh, put some situations in. Uh, and if you're prepared, then you'll be aware, you know, to, uh, to face some challenges and not lose your faith. And so one is um, the whole world of distractions, uh, the things that can distract us from, from our faith. And what I mean by that is things that can be good, good things in your life, fun things in your life. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of entertainment options. We've got... Uh, a lot of hobbies and leisure activities available for us. Most of us, you know, like to save up, go on holidays and you can plan and do all that and there's shopping and there's dining out with friends and you can cruise on social media and even working. You can really enjoy your work, work hard, enjoy the fruits of your labour. Uh, and none of those things are bad. But you know that saying, you can get too much of a good thing. Why do they say that? Because sometimes if you've got too much of a good thing, you're missing out on focusing on something that's even more important. 
if that good thing is all-consuming, then something's got to suffer. And that may be your faith in God, your time with God, your devotion to God. And so you've got to make sure that all the busyness and all the fun things going on in your world aren't distracting you from something that's even more important, and that's your faith in the Lord. And we want to have a fervent faith in God, a healthy prayer life, a strong understanding of God's Word, a walk with the Holy Spirit, a life that's serving the Lord in a practical way, yeah? And all that by faith, walking with faith, holding on to our faith, not just leaving God on the end of the line saying, well, I haven't got time. Because let's be honest, sometimes we would probably say, we wouldn't say it, but it's probably happening in our lives. I just didn't make time and I just didn't have time for God's things, God's ways, God's house, God's priorities, because I just filled my life with all these distractions. You know, we, um, uh, it's a big challenge for us in the Western world. Uh, and we actually got removed from that 20 plus years ago when we were in Russia in the early 90s. It was a really um, challenging time, but it was really cool uh, because we, um, well, we, we noticed the lack of all these sort of distractions in our life. You know, God took away so many comforts, so many incidentals of living that we were used to. Uh, we had no TV shows to watch. There were no movies. We, oh, we had one movie, Ben-Hur, uh, that, that the pastor there had for us. And then Christine Pringle very kindly sent us a video. We didn't have DVDs. She sent us a video of a movie that we could watch. And of all the thousands of movies in the entire world, she sent us Ben-Hur. And we'd already seen it ten times because it's the only movie we had. So praise the Lord. It was like God's joke saying, you want to watch a movie? You're only going to watch Ben-Hur for two years. Enjoy that. Great. Oh, we had the Blues Brothers too, so I, I, I did enjoy that. Um, uh, oh, okay, and Chariots of Fire. And we met a Christian couple who had never been to the movies. They hadn't, they'd been brought up with you know, no dancing, no movies, no... And we said, well, oh, we've got two movies. Which one are we going to allow them to watch? I don't think it's the Blues Brothers. <laughs> Let's show them Chariots of Fire. I think that's right. Don't mention the Blues Brothers. I nearly did, but I got away. Um... So, uh, okay, so, yeah, so we had, look, we had no nice restaurants to go to. We had no safe places to go out in the, out of town to visit. It was just wild. We had no telephone to use. There's no, there's no internet back then. There's no decent shops. There was nothing to buy in the shops anyway. It was really wild, dry, tough, you know. So what did we do when we weren't working? Well, we just prayed. We prayed for fun. It was just our entertainment. We would just pray. We had another room we could go to and take it in turns. One mind the kids, one go off and pray. We even wore the same clothes all the time. And actually for a while, after a while, we realized this is awesome. I don't have to think about what to wear. I'm just wearing the same clothes. There was no fashion changes. No one had any new clothes. It was, and we found it really annoying. When we came back to the store, I was like, you can't wear that. Why not? I wore it yesterday. I wore it the day before. I wore it. Well, you just can't. Why not? I just wear all the, oh, that was Russia. Yeah. You just wear the same clothes all the time. It's not like that now. I'm just talking about it was a tough time there. They're very fashionable and groovy and, you know, and all that. They were just in a tough time. But, hey, you can prioritise your prayer life with God. You don't have to go to a post-communist, economically ravaged, terrible place to live to do that. You can just develop your priorities with God, yeah? So deal with your distractions. And then, of course, there's disappointments. Stuff happens in life and that can... 
you know, you've got to have a good theology of emotions and feel sad when you need to feel sad. But, but if you let discouragement get full-blown, you've got disappointment, discouragement, maybe depression, and you've got to deal with that and, uh, and, and not let that just lo- make you lose your grip o- on your faith. Uh, and then, of course, you can have total distress, uh, dramatic times of difficulties, uh, all words starting with D, but you could have a whole bunch of other words like, you know, problems and trials and tribulations. And, but, you know, you sometimes will have things where it's easy just to focus on the problem. You hear some bad news, the kids are sick, something dramatic's happened at work or in your family, and, and now you're just in the mindset, I've got to solve the problem, I've got to worry about the problem, I'm stressed about this. But if you're holding on to your faith, you can face that problem and you can turn to God straight away and you're confident in God. Well, there's all sorts of things, like I said, that can cause us to lose our hold of faith. But just think with me quickly for a moment. Some things that can help us keep our faith, keep hold. And uh, I guess the devotion to God, we've been talking about this this year, you know, weekly witness, but also our daily devotion, a devotional life to God, a habit a healthy habit of coming before God, praying to him, reading the word. Usually in the morning is best for most people. Just setting your life up so that the rest of the day you're aware of the Lord. You're walking with the Holy Spirit. You're holding on to Jesus and your faith in him. And so this is a a devotion that starts in the heart, but it involves some habits. And to help you with those habits, another D word is discipline. So you've got a heart towards God, but you're going to need some discipline to stay in faith, to keep those habits of a devotional life going, being in church, committed to your local church, serving in your local church, reading your word, praying, witnessing, you know, these sorts of things, good daily habits, healthy habits. Uh, but also you need a discipline in your heart when those tough times come to, to lean into God. I like what Fergus was saying last week, the being on the front foot, of faith and and uh, and disciplining yourself, um, you know. Fergus talked about uh, using our speech well, not you know, being a prophetic community that's proclaiming not just what is, but what can be, what will be, because it's God's will, and that that flows. It's a whole message about the power of your words, but you perhaps know this passage, Romans chapter ten. Verse 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. For with the heart one believes under righteousness and with the mouth one confesses unto salvation. And so what's in our heart needs to match up with our mouth. And so there's discipline involved to make sure we speak well. Because often we pray one thing and feel in our heart, oh, yes, God, that's your will, that's right, I saw that in the Word. And then someone says, how are you feeling? Oh, well, gee. And then you let yourself down because you start talking about all the problems that are in your mind or the feelings that you have or the symptoms of the sickness instead of speaking faith, speaking God's Word, speaking God's will. I love what Smith Wigglesworth famously said. You know, he was the great faith teacher and healing evangelist. And he had to be with a name like that. You know, it's just a great 
Smith Wigglesworth, who hasn't heard of him, you've got to look him up and read some of his stuff. He said, I'm not moved by what I feel. I am not moved by what I see. I am only moved by what I believe. And so he was aware that the senses are powerful. And again, we are allowed to have feelings and we use our senses to take in information, but we have spiritual senses and we tap into God's spiritual realities and then impact our physical world with our revelation that we get from God. And so we need discipline to do that. And then uh, the other thing that will help keep our faith strong is uh, having a past experience in using our faith. And I couldn't think of a word that started with the letter D to say that. But in other words, if, if you've done something in the past and it's worked, then you're confident about doing it again. You know, you're confident about drinking that milk because a million times before you turned that bottle and only milk came out. It's happened. So when you've prayed and you've had your prayer answered, when you've exercised your faith and God came through, when you've been through maybe a tough time financially, but you've prayed like we have and you've laid the Bible down on top of all those bills and you said, God, I don't know how this is going to work out, but you've promised that you'll meet all our needs. And so I proclaim and pray the power of God over our finances and all these bills are paid in Jesus' name and it's worked. And Well, then that's confidence, that's faith, that's helping you to hold your faith into the future. As David once said in the Psalms, I was young, now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. And so that past experience of what God had done was fueling his faith for the future. And so that's another thing that will help you appreciate your faith, the importance of it, and the importance of holding onto it, yeah? And of speaking to that mountain rather than just letting it overwhelm you and, and rebuking the fruitless tree in your life and dealing with those things with faith. Amen? So let us have faith in God and let us hold our faith in God. And let's face it, faith ultimately comes from God. We don't conjure it up ourselves. Faith comes from the Lord and from hearing from his word and a revelation of who he is. And so we need him even to walk by faith. We really need the Lord to start, kickstart, keep our faith going. And so we need a devotion to him. And let's pray this morning as we close with a prayer of commitment to him. I trust that helps and stirs you to live by faith, walk by faith, hold on to your faith, have faith in God. Lord Jesus, we hear your words today and we want to obey them. We want to be known as people who believe, people who trust in you, people of faith, people who aren't doubtful, fearful, worrying, but are confident, bold, strong and stable because you are so strong and stable, Lord. We don't put so much faith in ourselves or our, the world around us, but Lord, we can put our trust in you. You are so strong and trustworthy and faithful and true. And Wow, we love you, Lord. And you know, this morning, just for a moment, I want us just to pray a a prayer of commitment to God and to refresh our, our faith in Him. But when we finish the service, if you've never committed your life to Jesus, I want you to come and see me afterwards. Just right down the front here, straight away. 
because we always want to give people an opportunity to connect with God the right way. And that way has been provided by Jesus Christ himself. He came to earth. He died on the cross. He's made a way for us to be forgiven for all our sin, to come into a relationship with God. And Jesus is the only way, the truth, the life. It's only through him we come to know God. And so if you want to and need to give your life to him, maybe it's a recommitment, and come and see me straight afterwards. Father, we thank you again for the stirring that you've given us to trust in you. And we pray that that would be in every part of our life. We trust you for our future. We trust you in our relationships. We put faith in other people as they serve alongside us. We put faith in your plan to build our lives, to build your church. Help us be knitted together in a community of faith. Thank you for children everyone represented here, all those children, they're growing up in the ways of God. We see through the eyes of faith. We see when they're older, they're following you and serving you and worshipping you. We thank you. There's no fear of the future, but faith in God, in Jesus' name. And we believe for that and proclaim that. We hope you have enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. <laughs>